and there was this glass case. And in this glass case were these shards or pieces of clay about three to four inches thick. And there was a little story underneath. And it turned out that this golden Buddha was only discovered about 1957. What had happened was they were moving this Buddhist temple in order to make way for the advancement of technology and superhighways and so forth in Bangkok as it was expanding. And they were lifting up this clay Buddha to move it across town, and it cracked. You can imagine if you were the head monk of this monastery and you were moving this sacred icon and you broke it, okay? So he was severely distressed and they decided to put the Buddha back down and they put a tarp over it, a canvas, because it was starting to rain. That evening the monk came out and he wanted to see if it was dry. And so he put his flashlight up under the tarp and to see if the clay Buddha was okay and he noticed where it had cracked a little gleam of light coming back, reflection from his flashlight. So he pursued this a little further and he looked a little more closely and what he discovered was that it seemed like there was something underneath the clay. And he took a screwdriver and a hammer, which is all that he had, and he started to chip away a little bit of the clay. And to make a long story short, several hours later, he was faced with this solid gold Buddha. Now you can imagine finding such a thing. Now what had happened, it turned out, was the Burmese army had invaded Thailand. And as they were coming down, the Thais knew this was happening. They covered this golden Buddha with clay because they didn't want anyone to steal it. The problem was, when the Burmese got there, they killed everybody. And so what happened is, no one knew that the clay was covering the golden Buddha. And 200 years later, the secret was still there, and he discovered it. Now, the reason I tell you the story is because I think that underneath each of us, there's like a golden Buddha or a golden Christ or a golden essence. And what today is about, this seminar is about, is how to rediscover that essence that lives underneath the surface of who we think we are. How to rediscover our self-esteem, our self-respect, our self-confidence, the essence of who we are. So what I'm gonna be doing with you in this seminar is teaching you tools and principles that will allow you to begin to regain the essence of joy and power and love and competence that you had when you were a little kid. And somewhere along the line for most of us, when we were growing up, somewhere usually between the ages of two and nine years old, we began to shut down due to parenting, due to teachers, due to Boy Scout leaders, due to coaches and sometimes even ministers and churches and so forth and Sunday school. We begin to push down the essence of who we are. We begin to have a sense that maybe we're not okay. And so what we're going to do today is learn a bunch of technology that will free us up and allow us to come back into a powerful relationship with ourselves. Two out of three Americans have low self-esteem. Only 35% of us feel adequate and competent to handle life as it faces us. So I often say in a group like this, look to your right, look to your left, one of you is okay, two of you are in trouble. <laughs> and you can kind of decide who that is, see? But the reality is I'm telling you this because I want you to realize that self-esteem is not somebody else's problem. We all kind of think, well, I feel okay. Self-esteem must be a problem of the homeless or people that are drug addicts or something like that. But all of us are faced with this issue of loving ourselves more, being more competent, expressing ourselves more fully. In the state of California, we have literally a 25-person task force whose purpose it is to raise the self-esteem of the state of California. And we realize that this is a major problem because we're spending millions and billions of dollars for people to be in jail. We build more jails every year. 
costs $30,000 a year to keep someone in jail now. Cheaper to go to Harvard. See, so one of the things we realize is we're spending all this money on problems like drug abuse, alcohol abuse, spousal abuse, teenage pregnancies, and so forth. We began to discover that the root cause of all these problems was low self-esteem. So we have this task force, and we started to do research, and one of the pieces we discovered along the way was that in one school district, the kids entering school in the first grade, 80% of them scored high on a self-esteem inventory. By the fifth grade, only 20% of them were scoring high. And by the time they graduated high school, it was down to 5%. Which says that the longer you stay in school in many districts in this country, your self-esteem actually goes down instead of going up. And so what we have to do, if you will, is take responsibility for our own self-esteem. Another study we ran across was one where they asked 1,000 parents and 1,000 teachers who was responsible for the development of self-esteem of children.